Welcome to Midlife Athlete Podcast. Um, I'm your uh, one of your hosts, Jason, and uh, as usual, I'm joined by my fellow host, mate, colleague, Greg. Hello, mate. Another oh, Friday good. afternoon. Another Friday afternoon. Um, we need to turn this this podcast uh, into a Zen podcast. Yep. We've got, we've got something to get off our chest, haven't we? <laughs> uh, we've got more than something to get off our chest. We've got a few things to get off our chest that that I know um, has been causing both of us a fair amount of... Uh, Anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> rage, I was going to say. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, it's, it's bordering on rage, isn't it? Bordering on rage. We'll, we'll come to that in a second. We'll come to that in a second, yeah. So... Um, I. I kind of titled this kind of misinformation. I don't know if that's the right term. Um, uh, the alter- alternative truth. Alternative truth. Trumpism. <laughs> the, tr- the Trump podcast. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's just challenging what what's out there. So, I mean, we, we should really sort of, okay, let's, let's cut to the chase here. So I, I sent Jason, I saw something on LinkedIn, which, really got my goat and uh i sent it to to jason hope saying you know telling him i i can't understand why this is making me so angry and then, anyway you, you you replied and thankfully you were you were equally <laughs> irate by it so it wasn't just me anyway so it was, it was a it was a it was a post by a physiotherapist which which rankled me number one um being a physiotherapist myself number two it he was. He had had um, a lot of experience working with elite uh, cyclists, so he was part of a national uh, cycling setup, uh, and also then worked in a cycling, a, a professional cycling team, which you know, all the Grand Tours, etc. So, and then, he, but his his opening gambit on this on this thing was that you can't change how you pedal. That was it. You cannot change how you pedal. In order to change how you pedal, you have to get you have to set your bike up differently. Now, to put it in context, he his company his his business is now bike fitting. <laughs> so the, uh, that's that's all I'll say. Uh, I know. Then then our, our with our ire raised, we then um, decided to do this podcast and bring up a few other things as well. Okay. Yeah, because this wasn't that wasn't. In fairness to you, that wasn't the only article you sent across to me. In uh, oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I probably might have got a bit more enraged on the other one than maybe you did, but I don't know. I think we were both fairly. Yeah. So, so let's start with the let's just start with the bike one, shall we? And work backwards, yeah. right? So, so we we let's get it out there. We just fundamentally disagree with that, don't we? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's Absolutely. just plainly wrong. Yeah, yeah, and. We, neither well, neither side have any, has any science to back that up. I think, but but basically, what he's suggesting is that you know you're 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 born with an ability to pedal, <laughs> and that's it. And, and then you cannot change that ability. You are completely rigid in how you cycle, and the own but the only way to change that is is the is by changing what you cycle on the bike. So if you get a bike fit, and they'll tweak it, um, and then you'll you'll pedal better. That 
and effectively, as, as you as we were discussing, as we were shouting at each other on the phone <laughs> before, um, yeah, that just basically implies that we are aplastic. We are we have no ability to learn and to adapt, and the human body is incredibly adaptable, <laughs> and it, it finds ways of, of changing and moving, uh, which which you know baffle us, baffle us all, and. And yet, he is, what he is saying is that you, you change one little bit on a bike and it makes you pedal differently. And that's the only way to, but that's the thing, it's the only way to do it. Yes, a good bike fit will make you, can really be transformative, you know, more comfortable, um, um, uh, more efficient, you know, all those things that can make it, make, make, you, make your life much happier on a bike. But ultimately, you're the thing pedaling, you're the thing moving it. And there are far more moving parts in a human body than there is in a bike. That's right. Absolutely. And and I was also disgruntled, not I was disgruntled because of that piece of information, which you've just nicely shared, but also because I've, I've actually experienced as a cycling coach, teaching people correct pedal technique. Yeah. And um, you can see the difference. You can visibly see the difference. You can also um, extract data which makes a difference. So if you were, um, you know, uh, on something like a Watt bike, you can you can see the elliptical curve, for example, of the pedal stroke. You can see, you know, the difference in speed that they might partake over a fixed period of course. You can see how much more wattage they're pushing. Do you know that there, there are hard data metrics that can reinforce mm. and back up how somebody has changed their pedal technique. Um, mm. And so it's I mean, not I've just changed, a subjective I've thing. I've changed my pedal technique. I mean, I, I, I get on a, on a, on, a t- on the turbo trainer. When I first started cycling, I realized my, my left leg was significantly strong. No, my right leg was significantly stronger than my, my, my left. And I had to change how I pedaled in order to, to adapt. And, ch- and it, now it's, it's it, I mean, I'm still doing it. I'm, I'm, it's not perfect, but I'm still, I'm still thinking about it and changing it, which is part of what we've been talking about certainly last week uh, and, and about how you've got to think and, and be in the moment of this. Of, of some, in, order to, in order to improve, you have to, you have to self-analyse and you have to think about how you're doing it. And it is possible to do that. I mean, his argument was that you can't change it if you're when the revolutions you know, between 80 and 120 you know, on average, then how can you possibly change how you move? Well, you can still change how you move. Your, your, your conscious mind has to step in and analyse, but it is possible. If that wasn't the case, we would, I wouldn't be able to change anything from, from how my patients move. I wouldn't, I wouldn't that, be able to do anything. And that's All exactly I would have to do is, 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 is fix the machine. Exactly. And that's exactly how I explain it when I coach this very thing to clients. It's along the lines of, look, you have developed an unconscious way of pedaling. You don't think about how you pedal. What I'm going to teach you now means that you're going to have to consciously think about it. And mm. and then maybe other things will slip and maybe your cadence will slip or you know, whatever it might be. Um, but over time, you can develop those neural pathways. And we all know that, you know, Christ, that's almost like suggesting our brain is not plastic either, which we all know is wrong. Um, and then it becomes an unconscious 
thing. I don't think about the way I, I don't consciously think about the way I pedal now. And, and I'm sure some of the clients that I've worked with no longer consciously think about it. It's just, it's now an unconscious thing. Um, and, that, and, that, and that's true, not just of cycling and pedaling, but if you think about running, um, and there was a guest that we were hoping to get on who's written a whole book around the plasticity that you can have in changing the way that you run, the form that you have, how you, you know, how you actually foot strikes the ground, how you get a bit of bounce on your, you know, so all of that stuff. Swimming is, a, is another classic example where, you know, we're not born with a way of swimming and that's it, that we can't actually yeah. adapt our, our mm. strokes yeah um and the same unless is true you, unless you use particularly from his argument you'd have to use special water <laughs> <laughs> you have to have an ergonomically designed pool and that will make you swim better yeah yeah so his argument goes his argument goes oh. his argument goes so that was the first now that that was actually the last piece because you sent me yeah. that yesterday last yeah. night and i didn't read it last night but i read it this afternoon and, and then exploded um, and I yeah. did actually comment as well. It was a yeah, polite I, comment. I, I, I've, I've never got involved in a, in a Twitter feud or a LinkedIn feud. Um, primarily, I'm not on Twitter, so I can't, can't be involved. You can't get involved in a Twitter but feed I, if you're I, not on Twitter, mate. I was composing something for, to, to respond, and I and I knew I sort of played around back in my head and thought, no, that's just that's just being facetious and uh, not that's not being particularly helpful or, or you, know, you can be critical, but that. So I, I just I just walked away and 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 ranted at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You avoided the confrontation, right? Yeah. So so that was the that was the latter piece. But there was mm. a piece earlier in the week mm. from uh, uh, a cycling coach. So this was another cycling related one. Yeah. Um, and a coach that that you used to sort of well yeah it was, it was the Carl, chris carmichael who, who set up the time crunch cyclist um and you know hands up i used it uh, and it was it was very effective and i did it but i was doing it in, in my 40s when i was when i was uh, training for some like the attack um and dragon ride devil ride the devil ride you know 300 kilometers uh, that was that was a big ride and i was doing this this high intensity stuff it was six hours a week um, and probably four hours of it were really quite, you know, balls out, heavy, heavy stuff. And it was an eight-week program. And um, and I must admit, I I was I got strong. I got strong, and I got I was able to. I completed these uh, these big rides. Um, and it was early on in my sort of cycling uh, journey, I suppose. But it was really helpful. Anyway, I've stopped doing all that stuff because I just found that. As we discussed, you know, this hit stuff has its uses, but I was just doing too much of it. Uh, and this 80-20 um, yeah, polarised training, which we've spoken about with Stephen Sealer, and we're going to come back to him in a second, um, just began to make more sense. And as I've got older, I've realised that my, my body, it, it can't do the high-intensity stuff as it used to do. No, it can really. They can't sustain it for very long. Even even young, you know, elite athletes can't do heavy, high loading stuff all the time. They will break down. So anyway, we, this 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 post came up, and and it was about this this question from this guy saying, "Yeah, you know, is it best for me to do a six hour ride or two three hour rides?" 
And effectively what they're saying is that, well, you can go hard on the two, three-hour rides, um, um, so why don't you do that? And that, that, there, was no, but there, was, there was no essential uh, – there was no mention of the 80-20 polarised rule. Um, uh, rule that is like if you if you got a short if you got a shorter ride you'll just be able to go harder not take your time 80 percent of it should be in zone one or two whatever it might be it was like short rides hard rides longer rides you can't push yourself as hard right. yeah okay. so it was right. quite fundamental but but it was it was um well there were there were many other things in there because i'm i'm looking at my note to you which i can see uh i i did write in a little bit of a bit of a rage um but as you say, there was nothing about age. Yeah, nothing. Uh, there was nothing about aerobic zones and actually the benefits of, of, of working in an aerobic zone for a multitude of, 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 of different reasons. Um, I also noted that uh, he seemed to be wrong on endurance because he was suggesting that anyone could just get on a bike and ride 100 miles. Well, I, I beg to disagree uh, with that one. Yeah. Um, uh, and and again, no real kind of mention of training stress and the load that you have if you're continually loading with, with you know faster, harder, um, sh- shorter uh, sessions. So it's like it's uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what's happening. Are people pushing this stuff out? Because they want to sell kits, they want to sell their 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 training plans or whatever, but. But it fundamentally, it's just for me. Um, it, it not only is it misleading, but it it it's it's getting people who don't know any better to basically follow courses of action that that is not you know not only not right for them, but could actually be causing some harm. Well, it's it's uh, it's just opt- I mean, it is about optimizing your time, which is why I like I like the idea initially of the time crunched athlete. And I remember before we went on air with Stephen Sealer, and he's and I said about the time crunched athlete and uh, time crunched cyclist. He said, "Yeah, but you you make yourself time crunched. <laughs> yeah, that's that's your that's your decision to make yourself crunched with time. You either you know." So how much you exercise is is dependent upon on you. You you can fit more in if you wanted to. Um, it's up to you. it's up to you. And I was like at that moment I thought, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, you know, I've just slotted myself into their pigeonhole um, rather than rather than finding a a, a a system that works for me. And certainly as I've got older, I've had to you know, I've adapted and I've, and I've learned. I mean that, that Stephen Sealer episode was really quite transformative for me. Mm. Um, uh, but it was, um, but as you say, it's like you suddenly realise that it's there's a lot of information out there, uh, which is why it's so confusing for 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 so many people, and so, probably for so many of our listeners. You know, what do I do? And that's what we're trying. Well, that's what we're trying to navigate um, with these podcasts. Is like trying. Yeah. I had another one which I didn't actually put on you because I didn't get the chance. But I sat next to a colleague, um, who's a younger guy. Uh, and uh, he commuted in, so he's new. He's just joined the team. Hmm. Data scientist just joined the team, and uh, I had taken the time to show him, the, you know, the bike, bike place, and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. And I noticed that he'd cycled in, so I saw his Garmin on his on his desk. Yeah. And he said, "Yeah, yeah, I cycled in, but you know, junk miles. Oh, 
Well, that was like red rag to a. <laughs> Did someone have like, to hold what? you back? <laughs> junk miles is not, it's not. It's not junk miles, and so um, bless him. You know, probably before he'd he'd had his shot of caffeine, like, <laughs> he'd he'd had me. He'd been bombarded. Still, yeah, he'd been bombarded with like, no, this is this is completely wrong. And you're looking at it the wrong way, and you know, you're looking at it through the wrong end of the of, of the of the prism. But um, it happens a lot. We see it out there, and I and I think. You know, you and I could probably trawl through our WhatsApp exchanges and find a multitude of these sort of articles that we see um, in all sorts of different places uh, coming out with the same stuff. Mm. And and um, as you say, it's confusing. It's not very helpful. It's not right in some cases. Well, when, when we were when we were chatting to um, when we were chatting uh, this afternoon about doing this podcast, this particular episode, um, we say, well, yeah, go back to the, the original that cyclist who said, you yeah, know, you can't change your pedaling. It's um, or how you pedal. He said, well, yeah, he's been working with elite cyclists. He said, well, his chances are he's come across all these people he's worked with pedal really well, or if they do need to change their pedal, the pedal stroke is the, the changes are so nuance so fine that it doesn't really make much of a difference so yes that, that you've got this very finely tuned athlete who's very good very efficient on the bike so yeah tweaking the bike might make a bit more of a difference um and they can look and look at them in wind tunnels and 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 you know that the, their metrics are going to be far more uh, uh analyzed than, than, than our just a, a garment on you wear on your wrist um so so they and the reason but the reason why those athletes have, have are pedaling really well because they bloody learn how to do it. They trained themselves how to do it. They didn't come out of the womb being able to pedal properly. Yeah, well, that leads on to another thing. But before before we leave this uh, this infamous post on LinkedIn, I think the other thing for, that I was disappointed about is um, there are many ways in which you could have talked about the benefits of a bike fit. Mm. Um, and you know, I'm I'm like one of the first people to extol the virtues of a bike fit. Mm. Um, but it's not to do with the pedal stroke. <laughs> um, but, okay, so moving on, I feel there's some element of catharsis coming through. Yeah, I feel, I, my blood pressure's coming down. We're getting, we're, yeah, blood pressure's coming down now. We're getting it out uh, of our system. But and, and so let's finish that on a positive note because, and I need to send you the link to this, but I, back to our friend, uh, Stephen Seeler, who we had, he was, uh, as you say, a revelation, really. He was, he was a great great guy and he was very generous with his time as well um he has done a series of interviews but one of those latest uh is uh with uh the well he's an ultra runner but actually he's just he's just an all-round kind of mountain athlete frankly um Killian Juno who um he is an astonishing athlete you know across all sorts of disciplines really um but Killian had written a um a blog post about his season uh this this season he was training for he had four races and they were it was quite unusual for him in the sense that uh he was doing a short what he calls a short race marathon type distance which was what that I mean, it was i think it was a marathon was and a marathon. then yeah, it's short. yeah it's a short one just a marathon yeah it's a short one it's just a marathon <laughs> uh and then then he had an ultra and then I think he had another short one in his words, uh, <laughs> and then uh, and then another long one, which would which would have been an ultra, sort of yeah. you know hundred 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 kilometers that kind of stuff, right? 
And so he was, he'd written a, a post about how he had trained for this. Um, and uh, Stephen Sealer had picked up this post and had reached out to him and did a, an interview, which is on YouTube. Um, so I should say that I haven't listened to it. It was, there was, there was some real nuggets there for midlife athletes. I mean, any athlete, but particularly midlife athletes. But one of the things back to the point about, you know, you made about professionals and pedal techniques, pretty much the bulk of his training was done in zone one and zone two. Mm. And and he was he said Look, I do this for several reasons. One, it builds my aerobic base. It builds my VO two capacity. <laughs> um, thirdly, if I went out and did hard sessions all the time, I just break, mm. I, I, and then I can't I can't have the consistency. Um, but when he goes out on those zone one zone two runs, he you know, tends to run on quite technical trails, he'll utilize those trails to work on techniques, foot placement, you know, visible visibility of, you know, being able to read ahead and look at, you know, things that, that could be obstacles, all that kind of stuff. He trains in that zone one, zone two. And he does that because he's got the capacity to be able to do it. And it's the same with the cyclist. You know, the professional cyclists will go out for four hours. They'll ride in zone one, zone two. They have the capacity to think about their pedal technique, you know, and work on those tiny little nuances or their body position or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and 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 it was interesting because Stephen Seeler was saying, I'm glad you're talking about this because when I talk about it, people don't really believe me. I mean, only one of the best physiologists out there, but they don't really believe him. And he was hoping that... Um, by listening to someone like Killian, who is undisputably an, a, a tremendous athlete, that people might actually start to take notice of how you should properly train. Um, so, uh, as I said to you, I'll write it up. It'll be on Substack. Uh, if you don't subscribe to our uh, Substack newsletter, you can just go on midlifeathlete.substack.com. And you can sign up and subscribe to it. You can read it without subscribing if you want to, if you just want to read that article. Um, but, and we'll put the links out there as well. So you can read Killian's blog post in his own words and you can you can watch the interview with uh, Stephen. Yeah, uh, you need to watch was, that. Yeah, it was fascinating on a number of accounts, but it was there were some, some really glaring things um, that, that Killian was talking about for, for a midlife athlete. Uh, to take on board really and i know we I, I kind of feel sick about banging on and on and on about zone one zone two but it really is a yeah quite a fundamental thing and then, yeah and for endurance for an endurance sport like cycling or if you just want to go for a, you know if you're running a marathon and you know we're going to be talking to jc soon about that he's a marathon runner um it, it's incredibly relevant um it's what it's all about and and it, it flies in the face of what we certainly what I historically used to do, um, but on the base, on the back of that, as we were chatting on the phone, it was um, something to realised that yeah, for something like CrossFit, which we discussed last time, um, yeah, should should middle-aged people do CrossFit and you know strength training? Well, yes, they should. CrossFit is a very high-intensity thing, but it's about you know when you these CrossFit athletes, these these elite people, they're not they're not they're not throwing massive amounts of lead around all the time they, they are doing a lot of 
based a lot of fundamental stuff, not basic stuff, but fundamental stuff. So lighter weights, higher reps. In, 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 so muscle memory and, and endurance, they're, they, they're, they're training themselves across a whole spectrum, not just as heavy and as hard as you possibly can for you know, in, in sections. And that's where I, that's why I tripped up on that, on that with that app because the app had nothing about you know being trying to trying to aim it at a certain age group or or what you should expect. It's just this is the workout. Do it. Regardless of how you were doing it, you know, they, he, the guy demonstrated it, and he had, but he had really good form because that's because he, he's trained to do it. He's that's what he made his money doing. You know, of course he was going to be good at it, but for the for the average person coming into this, it's like, oh, I'm going to get ripped and and strong. Yeah, you could get ripped, but you could rip something doing it. <laughs> um, and yeah, so 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 on the back of that, I'm going to do a bit of research about you know what do the cross what do these crossfitters these elite guys actually where do they train How, what sort of level are they training at you know I mean, it always comes back to me was I remember sort of hearing carl you know carl lewis the the legendary sprinter american sprinter and, and long jumper um back in the 80s i mean he he, he trained at 70 percent of his of his maximum that's where he spent vast majority of his time training um Yes, he was expl- it is an explosive sport, so so he wasn't doing the 80-20, but he never trained 100%. He never trained near that. He spent vast majorities of his time doing the stuff, that, that, that getting the fundamentals right, getting the foundation right. Yeah. yeah. So, I feel better. How do you yeah, feel? I feel better. I feel better. <laughs> yeah, better? it's good. It's out, we, we've put it out there now and calling it out i think we need to do more of calling it out yeah well, it's, it, it is it is good though to 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 find these things and 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 just hold your hand up and say i don't i disagree um uh, this is and this is why um yeah you don't i don't think you have to kind of you don't have to be facetious about it you don't have to no, call call people names and that kind of stuff but it, it but it you know it, i think it's right that we should call it out particularly you know i do kind of feel you know, we've talked about this before that the midlife athlete um, does has been overlooked, um, huh. and uh, it, it, it you know it's a polarized view. Everything is geared towards either you know young, um, increasing. There's increasingly talk about the older stuff, although there wasn't that wasn't the case. But um, that kind of middle zone is where we're all it, and, and where exactly. actually most of us are still doing stuff forgotten. It's, it's a, a lot of the research is done in in, in universities and and, uh, yeah. and and so they'll, they'll just tap into the to the to the um, to the student body and the student body is young and and relatively okay um, <laughs> and young people exercising whatever then then you learn the spectrum is what does exercise do to if you're diabetic what does it do if you're got cardiothoracity what does it do to your blood to high people with high blood pressure so it's 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 the people who are ill. But what about the people in the middle who are trying not to be ill? <laughs> yeah, or, or or the people that are unfit and what it does to them if they, you know, the, the typical catch to 5K type of scenario. Uh, but not the people who are seriously training uh, in midlife. So hopefully we we can dispel some of these uh, yes, well, well yeah. misleading untruths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Alternative truths. Alternative truths. <laughs> alternative truth. I'll um, rename the pod when it goes out. Um, right, good. Well, that was a short one. Yeah, short and sweet, but got it off our chest. And uh, yeah, that's uh, so I think uh, JC might be next talking yeah. about um, marathons and uh, how you balance the whole kind of stuff for midlife athletes. So that should be quite good. Yeah. Coming, coming at us from uh, LA. LA. So, yeah, so sunny LA. Yeah. yeah, sunny LA. Right. We're going international, Greg. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, have a good weekend. Yeah, have a great weekend. And, and uh, again, for listeners, you can find the article about Killian with all the links on um, midlifeathlete.substack.com. Brilliant. Have a great one. Take care. Cheers, Greg. Cheers.